You're listening to Crosspoint Community Church in LaGrange, Texas podcast. To learn more about Crosspoint Community Church, including service times and how you can connect, please visit crosspointchurchtx.org. I love that song that we just sang. It, it speaks to what we've talked about here quite a bit is this idea of it's beyond this. I mean, it's good to know God, to intellectually know truths about him, but also an important piece to knowing God is the gnosko know that Scripture talks about of us having experiential knowledge with him. And that's why we do baptism. That's why we do Lord's Supper or communion is to remind us of those things. There's physical components to all of that. And so that song reminded us of physical components of the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and three guys in a fi- thrown in a fire and other, everyone else is looking at the fire and they don't see three, they see four. And the experience of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego coming out and not even smelling like smoke and be able to say, this is part of our testimony. We know that the Lord is good because we've experienced it. We've studied the truths, but we've experienced the goodness of God. And obviously the Israel, the Hebrew people going across on dry ground in the midst of that is just a powerful truth for us. And I think it's important for us in particular during a season like this, where to be reminded of the moments in our life, some, some memorial stones to remember that we can know that God has been for us and with us in the midst of some difficult times. And that we don't just know that He's God, but we've experientially know and uh, maybe drawn back to that moment of salvation or whatever. So, um, this past week we had a wonderful speaker, Mike Satterfield was here for Disciple Now that we didn't have uh, because of that thing that's going around. And um, and so we're back to normalcy, whatever that is here. And um, so that means you got me, okay? And uh, we started a series called Reboot, thinking about that we need to press Control-Alt-Delete on our lives. We need to push the reboot button on our computer and our live and restart. And that the reason that we do that with our computers is because they're gotten some, some trash or the software is not quite running correctly. It's slowed down. It's bogged down. It's doing things weird. And that that's really where we are with our lives is that we are in a place, I think, where we just need to reboot, press control, alt, delete. And so a couple of weeks ago when I taught, we leaned into Isaiah chapter 40 and the, again, the idea of knowing God. And as we lean into our knowing experientially and intellectually knowing God, that we gain a different perspective, that we fly like eagles. And so we see our world, we see our lives, we see things from a different perspective and it allows us to run in the midst of difficult situations. We have the strength to run, but also to walk in the daily grind of life. And so today, as we continue our series on reboot, we're going to be digging into Matthew chapter 14 here in just a little bit. And I'll mention some other verses, but we're going to, to dig into Matthew chapter 14. But as I was thinking about this passage and uh, kind of what we're going to be talking about today, I came across an article in the New York Times um, newspaper last week. And it was by an author by the name of David Brooks. And David Brooks has been with the New York Times for quite a while and is a well-known writer and a well-respected guy. But he was thinking about the season that we're in, okay, and just kind of processing all the different stuff. And as a good uh, writer, researcher, he was looking up all the different things. And uh, he, he brought to light some things that I thought, you know, this definitely describes where we're at and what we're thinking about. And so this first part of this is just some things that are we're seeing in the midst of the COVID crisis, this pandemic deal, and that reckless driving is up. 
Um, if you, especially you can see in the cities where there's this more of the road rage and, and we're just inconvenienced by people and going around. And so reckless driving where people are literally just taking their cars and just ramming people and saying, hey, how are you doing? And letting them know that they weren't impressed with their driving or whatever it is. Um, fights on planes are up. I mean, if you've seen the news, people are like seriously going after it because they want their peanuts or something. I don't know. Um, but that's happening. Um, murder rates are surging. Um, a lot of people in cities are not working and are have uh, what I would call extra free time, and so things are happening. Drug use is increasing. Um, we're seeing county by county that actual alcohol consumption has increased. In some places, it's 100% or more increase as far as alcohol consumption. And so when that happens, um, you understand that domestic abuse and all different kinds of other things, there's ramifications for that. Nurses are telling us that patients are coming in in the midst of all this, and they're getting abused by the patients. And um, so verbally abused and all kinds of different stuff are going on within the closed rooms of there. Um, again, we're reading about this all the time as well, that teachers, um, that students and parents are being disrespectful and um, disruptive and all kinds of things with the classroom and around the classroom. Again, I think this speaks to that low hum of just stress and anxiety and worry and concern. The FBI tells us that the hate crime rate is up over 12% during pandemic. Um, one of the other things is actually charity giving is down. And um, except here, amazingly enough, it's exciting that um, in the midst of all of this, your generosity has just continued to grow. And we met our budget for the year, um, which was exciting. And um, a whole bunch of extra giving came in for us to be able to do some other things and uh, to be able to serve the community. And I'll, we'll share even next week some exciting news about your generosity and your, your charity here. And so um, I'll be able to, to share that with you from Hawaii. But uh, no, I'm kidding. <clears throat> it's good. We don't. None of that's happening. But um, the author says he sees a long-term loss of solidarity, of unity, a long-term rise in estrangement and hostility. And this is what it feels like for us to live in a society where from bottom up and top down, there's just this chaos and there's a dissolving of trust and of unity in one another. And so the title of the article is America is Falling Apart at the Seams. And so he pulls together all this research and all this studies, and he asks the question, what is going on? And his answer is, I don't know. I have no idea what's going on. I can't put my finger on it, but I do know this. He says it's a dire situation. Because even before the pandemic, depression rates were climbing. Suicide was climbing. Loneliness, we were getting research that was showing us that even in the age of social media connection, that we're overconnected with social media, that we're actually lonelier than ever before. And church membership for the first time this past year, church membership for the first time ever in the history of the United States is less than 50%. In other words, as we look across and that people that proclaim the name that say that they're Christians, less than half say that they're actively or engaged in membership at a church. And then also that we as a nation have more single parent homes than any other nation in the world. It's a dire situation. I mean, we look at all these different things that are going on and what is a cost, uh, the reason for that. And one of the things he also brings out is one of multiple studies have now come out and they said, I've said America is a nation of narcissists that we like ourselves a lot. 80% of us say that we can believe what we want to believe and it doesn't have any impact on anyone else. 
In other words, your neighbor says they can do what they want to do, when they want to do it, how they want to do it, and it shouldn't impact you. And you and I know that that's not true. Almost 70% believe that there is no moral absolute truth, that there is not a for sure right and a for sure wrong. Well, listen, that we're going to infringe on people's rights, our neighbor's rights, if there's not a right and a wrong. And 70% say any kind of relationship between adults is okay. And finally, the fastest growing religion in the world, no religion. Pushing away faith of any kind. We're in a dire situation. There must be something spiritual or at the central of this, moral at the core of this. This is, I'm supposed to, this is Brooke saying, I'm supposed to have answers, but I just don't right now. You and I, I think we sense this. As followers of Jesus, as we look around, and many of you email me or see it on your Facebook, or we talk in the coffee shops and stuff, and we talk about this pandemic, and then we talk about all these other things. And so there's this unshaken feeling that we have of there's a dire situation, but we can't really put our finger on it, and we kind of think we might know as people of faith, but we're not sure. And so we're kind of in the midst of this, and we... People are coming to us as followers of Jesus because they sense there's something different about you. And so they, they come to you with questions and, and you're like, I don't really know if I have the answers. And so we're all in this boat together. And so I think Isaiah chapter 60 verse 12, I think verse 12 describes kind of the situation that we're in and what we're seeing as a nation. In Isaiah 60 verse 12, it says, for the nations that refuse to serve God will be destroyed. If we look throughout history, the nations that once said that they were focused in on Yahweh and have slowly or quickly abandoned that central core have fallen not from the outside, but have fallen from the inside. For a nation like us, it's not built in Washington, D.C., it's built at your address first. But a nation falls if the home falls. And if we walk away from the home, from faith, then it's going to have a natural ripple effect. The one stone, the multiple stones have a ripple effect, and there's a tidal wave. So this morning what I want us to think about is individually in our homes, in our community, in our society, what does it look like for us to reboot? Because it feels a little bit like Romans chapter 1. In Romans chapter 1 at the end it says this, Since they thought it was foolish to acknowledge God, he abandoned them. To their foolish thinking and let them do things that should never be done. They're backstabbers. They're haters of God. They're insolent. They're proud. They're boastful. They invent new ways of sinning and they disobey their parents. Which we've talked about even over the Ten Commandments series that your parent relationship is central to your faith and to your life. They refuse to understand. They break their promises. They're heartless and they have no mercy. They know God's justice requires That those who do these things deserve to die, spiritual and physical death, yet they do them anyway. Worse yet, they encourage others to do them too. We can't quite put our finger on it, but we're in a dire situation. This morning, as we think about this idea of reboot, I want you to jump in with me to Matthew chapter 14. And what's happening in Matthew chapter 14 and verse 13 and following is just prior to verse 13. Jesus has had his, some of his disciples check in on John the Baptist. John the Baptist is his cousin. It's also his best friend growing up. And um, John the Baptist had just been arrested and pulled in. He's in Herod's um, prison. And um, he's checking in on him, seeing what's going on. And the 
some of his disciples come back to Jesus and they give him the dire news of the fact that John the Baptist has just lost his life. That Herod had beheaded him and put his head on a plate and put him out in front so people could dance around him and celebrate the death of John the Baptist. And so Jesus, in the midst of this, he's in the midst of ministry and doing life, and he received this news in Matthew chapter 14. And so in his humanity, what does he do? As soon as Jesus heard this news about John the Baptist, he left in a boat to remote to remote area to be alone. But the crowds heard where he was headed and followed on foot from many towns. So in the midst of this, Jesus hears this news, and what's he do? He begins to grieve. And naturally, whenever we hear some news and we want to grieve, what do we want to do as humans? We want to get away. We kind of reboot. We want to get with our thoughts. We kind of get get where we need to just kind of rethink and, and think back even through some of the memories. I'm sure Jesus wanted to go back and just think about the times that he and John the Baptist had played and went fishing and had these discussions and had dreams together. And the loss of all of those things in this moment, Jesus, the human, Wanted to get away with his buddies for a little bit. And let's just, let's just push pause. And I think that's where we're at as this culture, as a society, is the craziness is go on. And there's some things that we're grieving that we've lost, whether it's loved ones or a job or whatever it may be. And we want to push pause and get away with our thoughts and kind of reboot. The interesting thing is that Jesus told his disciples, hey, we need to get away And he may have said it, it sounds like he said it a little bit too loud because people that were hungering and thirsting after being in the presence of Jesus heard where he was going to be and they beat him to the other side. So Jesus and his disciples get in a boat and they're going to go somewhere to be alone. But the crowds that already gathered that he'd been ministering to heard where they were going to go and they were so desperate for Jesus, they ran around to the other side and they met them there. These guys were in a boat and they thought they were going to get there faster and they come around. They were that desperate for Jesus in the midst of their crisis. And here Jesus is in his own crisis, but life goes on. And again, I think that's where we're lying is that we're as followers of Jesus. We're grieving, we're hurting, we want a time alone, we want to push pause, but life keeps going. And that there's something about us as followers of Jesus that people long for and they want, and they're going to pursue us. They're going to pursue opportunities to have these discussions and to figure out what is it that you've got. I need what you have. So here's Jesus needing pause. But he gets to the other side of the lake, and what happens? Jesus saw the huge crowd. As he stepped out from the boat. And I imagine, listen, this is, this is what I would have done. Get off on the boat and you see the huge crowd and be like, I just want to go to the coffee shop by myself. You know? Or I just want to go to my room by myself. I've closed the doors, but the kids keep putting their fingers under there. The phone keeps ringing. Social media keeps ringing. All the different stuff that inundates our life. Jesus saw the huge crowds and he stepped from the boat. And what does it say? He had compassion. In the midst of his grief, in the midst of his desire to be alone, he still had compassion. And again, listen, I think many of us, if we had the tools in our tool belt that Jesus had, we would have looked at the situation and it tells us what he had compassion on them and he he healed their sick. Here's what I think many of us would have done. Like, okay, you're healed, be gone. That's what he could do, right? I mean, the whole crowd, it's done. I got stuff to do. Just throw the healing on him and just move on. But Jesus, in his compassion, one by one, 
Hey, sister, what's going on? May your faith heal you. Hey, my brother, what's going on? By your faith, may you be healed. One by one by one. People coming and longing for life. Longing for what Jesus has. And one by one, reaching out. The leper is touching. You haven't been touching forever. By your faith, may you be healed. He had compassion on those that long for something. And for us as followers of Jesus, to not just intellectually know about God, but to have experienced him, that we have a testimony, that we have a story of he's touched us and healed us, and that people are wanting that. There's an interesting thing, a part of that story is there were quite a few people there on the other side. This is where we see the story of Jesus feeding 5,000 men plus women and children. He was tired. He didn't necessarily want to go on, but he had compassion and one by one healed. And then he looks out and he goes, these people are hungry. They need something. And he looks around and says, what? there's not a Domino's. What are we going to do? And Peter walks up and says, hey, there's this little kid over here. He's got five loaves and two fish. That's not enough. And Jesus says, well, let's just see what can happen. Jesus, obviously, they prayed over it. And you know the story. Everyone was fed and there were baskets, loads of food left over in the midst of his compassion. Jesus met their physical needs because he understood that it was even more than them being hungry and thirsty for physical things. It was their hunger and thirst for something more. They were in crisis. The nation was in a dire situation. And Jesus had compassion on them. He saw their need. He stepped into their mess. And listen, we see this in our life. You go to HEB. You've seen it. You've done it. You see someone, and you go around the corner, and you're like, oh, hey. You laugh because you've done it. You've seen it. Been there. Jesus would have been like, yeah. I know this is going to cost me 30 minutes. But he had compassion. And for us in those moments in the busyness of our schedules, to have compassion and to listen and to sit and to be and to be a part of healing in those moments. So immediately after he fed the 5,000 plus, Jesus is still grieving. And so what does he do? This time he's learned his lesson. He doesn't whisper where they're going even. He tells the disciples, you guys get in a boat and go on. You know where we're going to go. And then he dismisses the crowd, sends them away. And after sending them home, he went up to the hills by himself to pray. In the midst of crisis, if Jesus needed to pray, surely we do. Surely we need time to just get on our face before God and say, God, the situation is dire. I just need you. I just need to be in the presence of my Father. And I think in this moment, I think one of the things that for me in my mental image is that I see a child that's in need and crawls up to dad and just crawls up in dad's lap and just is there and just weeps. There have been moments as a father that you know that your children need you. And the only thing that you can provide, there's no words. There's nothing other than just to put your arms around and just be present in the moment. And I think of Jesus, he's going alone to pray, and that's what the prayer is about. It's like, Dad, 
Man, John, John was my guy. If anybody understands me, if anybody knows my mission, if anybody knows what I'm going through, he knew and understood, and now he's not here. Now I can't call him, I can't text him, I can't DM. He is gone. And God the Father just reaches out. Just holds him. And to hold in those moments for a long time, and just imagine the, the deep well of weeping and just saying, what? Is going on. And I think this is where we're at. I think some of us need to go away for a little bit and just get in our closet and just get in the closet and just weep with God. And say, God, my dreams, my hopes, my all the different things, I am giving them to you. I don't understand and allow him to just hold us and to know that no answer is sufficient. But that you be there present in it. And so all night long, he was there. From about probably 6 or 7 p.m. till about 3 a.m. in the morning, he gets up and begins to walk down to the mountain. We see that the disciples had gotten in the boat. They followed directions and they were in the middle of the lake and a storm comes up. And these are guys who are used to storms. They're fishermen. They understand what's going on. They know this is a possibility. So they're in the midst of fighting the heavy waves and it tells us they get a little bit terrified. They're a little cautious about what's going on. And about 3 o'clock in the morning, Jesus came walking toward them on the water. Now, the story tells us this because they're looking back, but they don't know that it's Jesus. They just see something walking toward them. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. You can imagine. If you've been around, all of a sudden you see something coming at you, you're thinking the Loch Ness. What is this? Submarine? I don't know what they were thinking. But they were, no, this is not normal. And here it is coming at us. And in their fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. The ghost is coming. But Jesus spoke to them after a little bit. No, at once. Jesus, in their terror, speaks out and he says, do not be afraid. Take courage. Why? Because the I am is here. And they were like, all this stuff that they'd been learning and Sunday school, all these different lessons, all of a sudden they're like, whoa, 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 whoa. The I am is here. In the midst of the storm, the I am is walking across the water. I mean, that's that's pretty cool because they then realize that's Jesus walking on water. They hadn't seen this before. It hadn't happened to them. This is really cool stuff. And he says, the I am is here. Do not be afraid in the midst of the storm. So their focus had been on the storm. Now, all of a sudden, it's on this thing they don't understand. But then whenever Jesus announces who he is, it comes to full clarity that Jesus, the guy they've been hanging out with, is walking across the water to them, and they're engaging with him. And then Peter, the really cool, smart, go get him guy, says, hey, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you and walk on water. Because none of these other guys can do it. I want to do it. That's part of Peter's personality, right? He wants to be the first. He's like, ah. He'd walk around at a powerlifting meet without a shirt on. I mean, that would be Peter. Yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter gets out over the side of the boat and begins to walk on water toward Jesus. That's pretty cool. Sign me up. We're going to have lessons next Saturday at Fayetteville Lake, okay? To walk on water. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, right? He got out. He was focused on Jesus. He was talking to Jesus. But immediately as he begins to walk, his focus loses from Jesus. The strong wind and the waves 
changes his perspective. And he was terrified and began to sink. And he said, save me, Lord, in the midst. Again, I think this is us. We've been called out of the boat. And we begin to walk. And we're walking in faith. We see and we understand. And we're like, God, you're taking me places. You're showing me things that you've never shown me. I'm experiencing things with you I've never experienced. And all of a sudden, the wind and the waves begin to lap up. And we lose our focus. And look at the circumstances. And we lose our joy. We lose our peace. We lose our hope. We lose our faith. Because of a little bit of wind and a little bit of waves. But the beauty of it is, is Jesus in the middle of that. That's our prayer, right? I mean, I think even right now, I think a lot of us, that's our prayer in the middle of this crisis is save us. Save me. Because of a little pandemic. Now, it's, it's been big, right? But do you think God was surprised by it? No. And Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. This is the covenant. You have so little faith. He said this to Peter, not to everyone. He whispered in Peter's ear, who's the rock? By faith, you have so little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? Again, drawing Peter's attention not to the waves and the circumstances, but to who Jesus was in the midst of the circumstances. And then when they climbed back into the boat, what happened? The wind stopped. The creator of the universe showed that he could walk in the midst. He could walk on water and walk on water in the midst of the storm. And Peter is easily distracted by the things of the storm, but immediately whenever he cries out, Jesus reaches out for him, grabs him, and they step into the boat, and all is stopped. Then what happens? The disciples, this is the first time, the disciples worship Jesus. All that intellectual knowledge, all the other moments that they'd had together, in this moment became a reality. And that the wind stopped, they saw Jesus and they stopped, got into the boat, and immediately they fell down and worshipped and cried out, so you really are the Son of God. He fed 5,000 people. All these different experiences. And listen, we're in a dire situation. Our neighbors need to know this Jesus. Our neighbors need to know that you know this Jesus. Not that you just know him, but that you've experienced him, that you've tasted and seen, that the waves of life have crashed up. But immediately when you've cried out, Lord, save me, he's reached out his hand. And pulled you into the boat and said, you are safe with me. Because here's the deal, our neighbors, they're in the midst of the storm. And they're crying out. And by the stuff that we talked about earlier in in the message, Jesus is rowing by and they're saying, not this boat, I'm going to try a different boat. And all other boats sink. There's only one boat where the wind stops and you get to the other side safely. Our neighbors need us 
to worship the one true God found in the person of Jesus. My challenge for you and for me is to reboot. We're in the storm. We've lost someone. We've lost some dreams or some things that are important to us. But we're trying to follow Jesus in the midst of the storm. Reboot. Our eyes focused on him. So this week I want to challenge you with something. Whenever you kind of feel that stirring of anxiety and worry and terror and fear, as you see something coming at you, you feel the, the waves and the rent wind, push pause and pray. There's a prayer that if you've been in and around church for a little bit, you know it, you've heard it, maybe you've played a sport or something and you've heard it. It's from Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13. So I'm going to start us out on it, and I know some of you have learned the King James, some of you have learned the New Living and the ESV or whatever you've learned. You just cried out from your heart what you've learned, and let's just pray this together and made this week, kind of like Dr. Pepper, 10, 2, and 4, or whatever you need. Push pause and cry out, Lord, save me through this prayer. It says this, Our Father who is in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive those our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, from the evil one. Amen. Dear Heavenly Father. This is not a rote prayer that we want to offer. But Father, it's the cry of our heart. Father, may as we, during this week, as we reboot, maybe several times a day, that, Father, you remind our hearts and our souls and our minds to just pause and to reboot and to say this prayer. To cause us just to just refocus for just a moment. To know that there's still waves, to know that there's still wind, to know that there's still stuff going on, but that's not our focus. Our focus is on you. And our focus is to worship you in the boat and to proclaim you really are the Son of God. We know it with our minds and we know it with our experiences and with our heart. You have shown yourself faithful and true to us time after time after time. And that our story is the same as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You are in the fire with us. May we proclaim that and live life out of that hope and that power and that encouragement. It's in your son's name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us for the Cross Point Community Church Podcast. It is our prayer that this message was encouraging to you as you follow Jesus. For more about Cross Point Community Church, you can find us online at crosspointchurchtx.org. Have a great week.